0: Great introduction. Thank you. <laughs> Please open your Bibles in Ephesians 2. I'm going to read the first 10 verse, uh, verses of Ephesians 2. So uh, we're continuing with our series, The Five Solas of the Re- Reformation. Two weeks ago, Pastor John shared with us Sola Scriptura, uh, scripture alone where we saw that the Word of God alone is our authority in truth and in practice. Last week, Pastor Dave gave a quick story, a quick history of the five solas and focused on the meaning and importance of solus Christus, Christ alone. Only Christ was the one that was able to reconcile our alienation with the Father. And what is our response today? 504 years later Today our focus will be Sola gratia Grace alone The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians Chapter 2 Will help us see the significance Of grace alone And what are the results It should have In our lives What are the results it should have in our lives So open your Bibles please Ephesians 2 1 through 10, and if you don't have a Bible, you can look at the screen. It'll be shown for you there. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all, once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit be with us this morning and as we study your scripture and as we Understand more about your mighty power and love and grace that you would open our eyes, our ears, and Father, touch my lips that I can express your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, a dad and his boy go into a store, and then the dad gets this long list that his dearly wife had set for him to buy everything that is in the list, right? So he starts, he takes a card and then starts putting things in the card. And the son is going, walking by him, following him everywhere that he goes. But suddenly they pass by the candy aisle and the boy just disappears from the uh, father's side, uh, side, right? And the boy goes there and then looks at all the candy, and then he chooses a sneaker bar, sneakers bar, and a little bag of Skittles. Those are two of my favorites, so that's why I took So he takes them and he's like, oh, just looking at them, and mm, man, oh, which one should I eat first? But suddenly, he hears the voice of the father William, William. And he immediately puts the candy in his pocket and then goes. To the father yes dad I'm here okay come on help me gather these other things so they finish they go they pay when they're going out of the store check it check in the owner of the store comes and stops them right there and says, excuse me sir uh aren't you forgetting something no 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 did you pay for everything you have yeah here's here's my ticket you can check and And then looks at the boy and asks, do you have something you didn't pay for? And the boy opens, no I don't, no I don't. Then the man asks, can you show me your pockets? So he chose and there were the sneaker bars, the sneakers bar and the Skittles. The dad gets so angry and he's about to spank him. But the, the owner says, no, stop, 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 sir. Boy, I forgive you. Okay? I forgive you. You can keep the candy. But wait. Wait a minute. So he, he goes back to the store and the dad is thinking, oh, he's going to call the police. And oh, man, what are we going to do? I mean, I can pay it right now. But then the, the owner comes back with two big bags of candy, sneakers and Skittles, and gives them to the boy. And the boy just opens the arms, opens the arms, and grabs the candy. He's so surprised, and also the dad is, what's happening? Wait. uh, Okay, let's go. So they leave. The next day, the boy comes back to the same store, but now this time with his mom. And guess what? He goes to the candy aisle and steals more candy. Do we understand what? Did the boy understand what happened? Didn't he understand that he had been forgiven? Didn't he understand that he didn't get what he deserved? A good spanking. Didn't he understand that he had actually received a blessing? I don't think so. Aren't we sometimes like that, boy? We have received the grace of God, but we haven't fully understood his mercy and much less the riches of his grace. Just like the kid of our story, we don't understand what grace really means. So we take it for granted. And so it hasn't deeply changed us. Many times, we just return to our old habits. To better understand grace in our story, let's analyze the process. The actions of the kid deserve punishment. The dad was about to provide this punishment that is called justice. The owner could have called the police. Again, justice, right? But he didn't. Instead, he forgave the wrongdoings and even prevented the dad from giving him a spanking. That is called mercy. So we have justice, mercy. But also more. He doesn't just, I mean, he doesn't take the candy away. He leaves the candy with the boy. And then he gives the boy, Candy, more candy than the kid could even imagine. That, that is grace. That's called grace. We read in verses 4 and 5. But because of the, his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we, when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. So we see a taste of the whole spectrum of grace. We were dead in our transgressions. In other words, we deserve to die for our transgressions. We were dead in our relationship with God. That's justice. That's what we deserve. But God, who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, he brought us back to life in Christ. And not only that, but now we have been saved by grace and grace alone. We receive not only forgiveness and mercy, but salvation by grace. In other words, we are not just forgiven from our stealing, lying, hatred, impatientness, selfishness, fill in the blanks. By mercy, we are not punished. But not only do we get. Few bags of candy. But we get the whole store. And even the factory. It says in the following. Verses 6 and 7. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him. In the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages. He might show the immeasurable riches. Of his grace. In kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That brothers and sisters. That is grace. More than what more than we can hope or even imagine. Grace is the unmerited favor of God given to us through Christ. God in his rich love through Christ brings us from death to life not because we were so good and deserved it. It is very clear here. We were dead but only by God's grace and grace alone he makes us alive. So this morning, our main point is going to be because we have been made alive by God's grace. Again, because we have been made alive by, by God's grace, we glorify him. So we can glorify him. You don't, if you don't hear anything else this morning, but just hear the grace. We were dead. Now we are alive. And we can glorify him. How do we glorify him? We're recognizing that we're dead, but dead, dead, stinky, awfully dead. Secondly, how do we glorify him? How, recognizing that how alive we are to good works. Okay? So first, stinky death and living to do good works. I'm going to be repeating a little bit this point you're going to say uh, he's killing the dead horse? No, it's, it's the Apostle Paul saying, hey, first understand, listen, do you think you're dead? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. We'll see. So bear with me, please. Verse one says, and you were dead. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. It reminds us, reminds us of our impossibility of doing anything to help our situation. We were dead in our sins. Now, if we notice the Apostle Paul telling the Ephesians, those who have believed in Christ as, they sa- as their Saviors, you all, if you have believed in Christ as your Savior, you were dead, stinky death. Meaning, in your former condition, before knowing Christ, you were dead. You are spiritually dead. Your sin, Had alienated your soul from God. We all are born dead, unless we receive His His grace. We continue to be living death. October 31st, my friends. Yes, Reformation, but what do they celebrate uh, also here? Halloween. And many of them are zombies, right? They're so like a zombie, and that is us. It's a horrid picture. But if you imagine a zombie, a walking dead, it might help give us a clearer image of our spiritual state. Imagine your, your face just falling apart, and you shake hands with someone, and, hey, can I have my hand back, please? <laughs> Thank you. Right, that's a zombie. It's, it's, it's dead, totally dead, stinky dead. I don't think we like to think about it. It's unpleasant. We don't really think that we are that bad or that we are dead apart from Christ, right? No. Me? Dead? Mm -mm -mm Mm-mm-mm-mm. But yes, we were dead. So it's important that we understand what Paul is trying to say here. Unless this picture is driven deep in our minds and in our hearts, we may miss the absolute miracle that has happened. It's a miracle, my friends. It's a miracle. It will be so difficult to understand the grace of God if we don't understand our previous condition. That is why the Apostle Paul continues telling us, killing the dead horse. Not only about our death, but about what this condition meant. We were walking in trespasses and sins, following the course of this world. When we used to follow the course of this world, that dictated our lives. We were children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. In the phrase "by nature, children of wrath, like, ma- like the rest of mankind," Paul uses the word "by nature" because he wants to emphasize the kind of nature everyone is being born into. We all, and the rest of mankind, are born children of wrath. Even little babies, we say, "Oh, but my, oh, this baby is so beautiful." No, he is not a children of wrath. I'm sorry, but he is born insane. So he might look beautiful, yes. But that doesn't take his sin away it sounds terrible but yes our nature is rooted in our first parents adam and eve after they disobeyed god seen by eating from the forbidden fruit we all fall with it, with them so by nature we all are children of wrath being attracted by all the things that this world offers, Falling into the trap of thinking that this is all that matters. Power, fame, money. And the thinking that what I want matters the most. Or there is nothing or no one more important than me, myself, and I. That is what the prince of the power of the air, Satan, leads us to think he wants you to think that it is normal to follow the passions of your flesh. Or in other words, to selfishly only do what you think is best for you. This way, you move farther, farther away from God by carrying out the desires of your body and mind, acting as sons of disobedience or, or children or daughters of disobedience against against the very one who created you. Second, Second Corinthians 4, 3, 4 says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of glory of Christ, who is the image of God. That was our condition. We were blinded by the God of this world, thinking that this life is all there is that we should just follow Satan's lead, veil and death. Verse 3 says, Among who we all once lived. Once. Past tense. But not anymore. Not anymore. If you have believed in Christ, not anymore. John five twenty five says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here. When the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. It says in verse 8 and 9, And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. So no one would boast. In mid-1990s, there was a movie called While You Were Sleeping, and uh, it was played by Sandra Bullock. She's Lucy, kind of like an ordinary girl, single girl, working in a, in a subway station, selling tickets, and you know, her life is super boring. She's the one, the only one that stays for Christmas, right? No one works on that day, but Lucy is there very faithfully. And her, her life is just kind of, not miserable, but quite boring. Until, until, Prince Charming comes along, right? There's a handsome guy that comes and buys a ticket one day, and she's like, oh, wow. And the next day, he's there again, and next day. and then, So she's, she has something to look for every single day. She gets so excited now, she's all dressed up and waiting for him to, to come and buy the ticket, right? So there's one time where uh, this guy comes, buys the ticket, and he's kind of by himself waiting for the, the subway to come, to, the metro com, coming. And there's a gang that jumps into him and, and hits him, and takes all his belongings, and pushes him into the railroad, into the train road. And she's looking at everything, and she leaves her, her post and runs after him, and it's like, sir, sir. And then she starts hearing the metro coming, and like, sir. Wake up, sir. Sir, wake up. Nothing. He's just unconscious there and right in the middle of the, on the railroad. So she decides to jump and grabs him, holds him, and turns around with him. And right immediately as a good good uh, Hollywood picture, you know, movie. Boom. The train just goes by. Zoom. And they're, they're safe. He's alive. So this man... Is taken to the hospital, and uh, and he's in a coma for several days. But then he comes back, and here's what Lucy has done for him, and he's so thankful, realizing that if it had not been for her, he would have been dead. He wants to do anything or every even everything for her, no? even to marry her. You know? When we realize how much God has given us, can we take credit for anything? No. It's like this guy. He, he, he couldn't say, Oh, you know, it was my charming looking that made her jump into the tracks and save me. No. He was almost dead, unconsciously dead. Do dead people choose to live? Sorry, but no. Can we do anything to obtain such grace, faith, Such a great great gift? No, it's truly a miracle. If you are here today and you cannot say you have experienced such a miracle in your life, I encourage you to think about this passage. We all are born into sin. If it is not by God's grace, we remain spiritually dead. Please, please. Pray to God so he can open your eyes and ears so you can understand his mercy, his grace, and the great love that he has for you. I encourage you to believe only in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Repent from your past and come from death to life. Let him do the work in you. Again, it doesn't depend on us. It says in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. We can't do anything to receive the grace of God. We can't add or subtract anything to His saving grace. We couldn't do anything because we were dead. Now that we have received His rich mercy, understanding the sacrifices of the Son on the cross on our behalf... We still can't do anything to add to our salvation. And even if we do great things in the future, we will not be able to add anything to his saving grace. It is only and only by grace alone. Sola gratia. So how do we respond to the miracle of being made alive in Christ? We respond by living Glorify Him. Someone has said, We are not saved by good works, but for good works. So we live glorifying Him by doing good works. In John 14 15 says, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper who will be with you forever. It is the helper, the Holy Spirit, who enables us to obey his commandments. So being made alive together with Christ, going from being sons of disobedience, we become become sons of obedience. We saw that God has loved us, so he's brought us to life in Christ. We love Christ because he first loved us and gave his life for us. Because he is the direct application of his grace. So we love him and we obey him. We were sons of wrath, but as we have been raised up in Christ, we are now sons of the light, or sons of pleasure. Thanks to Christ, the Father sees us with pleasure. We are united with Christ in all his obedience and good deeds. Not only the present, but the past, and our even very, very past, even before we were born. God is seeing us through Christ. He's seeing us. All the good things that He had done, He sees us. Remember when when John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus? And then the Holy Spirit came like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. Saying, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. As if the father is telling us, I am well pleased. With you, I am well pleased. As we mentioned before, Paul notes that we were children of wrath. But now, according to verse 10, we are God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. Yes, we were by nature children of wrath. But in Christ, we obtain a new nature. We are God's workmanship. Our nature is now rooted in him. Romans 5.15 reminds us, but there is a great difference between, between Adam's sin, remember we mentioned that before, and God's gracious gift for the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. Everyone walking death. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. For now it is impossible to understand the full spectrum of grace. But once again, it is only by understanding a little bit more of God's rich mercy, love, and grace that our response to all of this will be unstoppable. The Apostle Paul helps us see the list of the rich mercy, love, and grace given to us. We were dead, but made us alive with Christ. Christ died, so do we. Christ rose, so did we. Not our own doing. By grace you have been saved. Not our own doing. Raised up and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not our own doing. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. Not our own doing. By grace you have been saved again, he says. Not our own doing. Saved through faith. Not our own doing. Not your own doing. It is only by grace alone. And it is for his glory. Throughout these passages, we see some of the implications of being the recipients of God's rich mercy, grace, and abundant love. And it is, it is not our own doing. It is only thanks to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we, being united to Him, can claim such wonderful things today in the here and now, and in the there, but not yet. If we were united with Christ in His death, now we are united with Him in His resurrection. We live for His glory, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We glorify him first, humbly recognize him that anything good, anything good that we might do is not our own doing. comes from him. Now remember to take credit for your mistakes and your wrongdoings. Don Quixote de la Mancha is a character from a novel written by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. This man, Don Quixote, suffers from dementia, but he thinks that he's a knight who is ready to fight battles and even giants that actually are windmills and deliver princesses in distress. He and his faithful squire, not a squire, but it's a friend who's looking after him, just walking along with him, Sancho Panza. Arrive. They both arrive into a castle. It's a it's a hostel where, in the fine restaurant, not a restaurant, but it's a saloon. He finds the most beautiful princess. Mm -mm. A dirty, ugly woman, stinky, who works works as a maid, dressed with dirty rags who lacks of a good reputation. Of whom he falls deeply in love. When he approaches this lady to ask for her name, she answers, Aldonza. He's surprised. And he tells her that such a name does not match such a beauty. That her name should be Dulcinea. As sweet as the sound of the fresh air that blows in the mornings. She gets angry at him, thinking that he's making fun of her. But he insists and shows serious and true interest in her. It is only to Don Quixote's eyes that this ugly, stinky woman becomes a beautiful princess. Brothers and sisters, this ugly woman, stinky, dressed with dirty rags, and lacking a good reputation is us, is the church. But our Don Quixote not only has fought battles, he's fought the war in which in order to save us, he gave his life. But he did not stay dead. He rose to bring us alive with him and give us riches we could never imagine. He presents us to His Father as the most beautiful bride with bright new garments, shining white beautiful garments that He has washed with His precious blood. That's our Don Quixote. He's our Savior, Jesus Christ. As you see, we are not even getting close to scratching the surface of grace of the grace of God, nor his rich mercy and love for us. But, that, but my hope is that as we realize how much he has done for us by not only bringing us to life, filling us with his spiritual riches now and in the future, but giving us the power of his Holy Spirit to respond with good works. He frees us to love mercy, to do justice, and to walk humbly Before him, and he is glorified because of it. Now, if we go back to our first story with the boy and the dad, what would have happened if the boy had really understood the grace he had been given by the owner? Remember, next day, he came back to the store with his mom. But instead of entering into the store, he stays. And he has something carrying in his hands. He's got the candy he got from the owner the day before, and his own candy. And he opens the bags and starts giving it to people away, and a, he starts saying, Come, come and see. This is a great store. You get wonderful things like Skittles and Snickers. Come, get some. It's free. It's free. Come, get. This is a beautiful place where they give you everything. And they treat you perfectly well. You're always welcome here. Come on. Come on. What are you doing there? Come in. Come in. Buy, buying in here. And he goes out his way and then goes to the owner and says, Hey, tell me, what can I do for you? Can I clean here? Can I do that? Please. The boy is just overwhelming, right? He's overflowing. His heart would be overflowing. With gratitude. Just thinking what he can do better for this store and the owner. So I encourage you to ask the Lord to make this more real in your life. That you would not take this grace for granted. That we would be set free. Free to give generously to others. Free to forgive Free to give of your time in love and service. Free to share the great news of the gospel. Look what Christ has done for me. Come. Come on, buy. You don't have money? No worries. Everything is free. Everything is free. Just believe, receive, and accept. Brothers and sisters, it is not by understanding. It is only by understanding the grace of God in our lives that we can glorify him. And to ratify and remind us of his rich mercy, grace, and love, the Lord Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper that we're going to take part of. Gonna do this uh, I'm going to do this bilingually. Uh, so we can all take part of it. So Christ encourages us to receive his spiritual nourishment and grow in grace. This is a sign and a seal of his covenant. This is not just a reminder, but a